Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining us today. It's going to be a good show today. Uh, last week was a nightmare. As, you, as many of you know, I tried to, for the first four minutes, uh, I don't know, some people could hear me, some people couldn't, but we basically had a major computer failure. We are trying to uh, piece together this thing with a uh, shoe, it's, you know, the show's on a shoestring, and unfortunately, it's um, shoestring broke. But uh, anyway, so thank you very much for the feedback. Sounds good, but there was a skip just now. Let's see here. How about now? Let's see how that is. Any better? Uh, the great folks in chat. Chat is open. And uh, kind of a piece this thing together to make sure it sounds the best for you guys. Uh, so basically what happened last week, people asked me, a couple of, uh, a couple of people were very curious. And, and I explained that, no, it's just we're using a computer that's really, we use Macs, and Macs last a long time, but this one has been through many, many updates, and, and unfortunately, it's just it's above its ability to uh, function, really. Um, and I don't know. I'm not really sure what, what the deal is there. You're getting some skips. I think that's on the Internet end, but, but let me just see. Uh, boom, let's click this off here. Let's see. Yeah, I think we might be good. I think we might be good. So um, essentially what we're dealing with is trying to – uh, at some point, raise the money to replace this computer so that we can function at a little bit higher level. We need a more RAM and stuff that I don't know. What do I know? But they've looked at it and they've said the Apple people have said, "Man, you're you're pushing this thing too hard." It's like trying to race a a '57 uh, Chevy pickup in the Indy 500. It's just not going to work. But I want to thank everybody in chat for joining us. We do have chat throttled back a little bit, and and that's for a reason I want to be able to pay attention to it. Today, you've joined us on a, a great day uh, because we've got a really, really great guest. She can't be with us too awful long, but you know what? We'll take all we can get. And a uh, very, very nice lady. Very, very nice lady. Cheryl Chumley. And she's of the Washington Times online. She's been on television hundreds of times. She's on radio all the time. She's an author speaker. And she's very passionate about topics related to Christianity and the country's Judeo-Christian roots, the Constitution, politics and policy, United Nations and sovereignty, and Capitol Hill. Pretty much anything that lends itself to exposing those matters. Freedom, biblical principles, and the preservation of America as the greatest country this world has ever seen. 
And now her publication credits, uh, they are many, and they include, not limited to, but include The Blaze, Washington Times, LifeZet, PamelaGeller.com, and many, many more. Uh, she's a really skilled public speaker, as you will see. She's a great media guest. She's made hundreds of appearances, appearances on television, radio, uh, in person at various forum, forums and events. She discusses politics and culture. And, you know, this, and the role of Christianity in government, media bias, and limited government principles. Now, let me say this. That's obviously why she's on the collision of faith and politics today. And it was very important to me to get her on. Hey, Louise from New York. Hey there. Tell Craig we said uh, he's probably out in the weeds somewhere. But uh, we're glad to have you joining us. Upstate New York and Alaska, Pennsylvania, and many other states are represented here as we look at the people logging in. Now, uh, Cheryl wrote a book, and this is her latest book, The Devil in D.C., Winning Back the Country from the Beast in Washington. Mike Huckabee, actually, uh, former presidential candidate, Mike Huckabee, father of, I just, I love her, uh, Sarah Huckabee, uh, I think she's just awesome. She's really, really, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She's married to somebody's last name is Sanders, so that, that trips people out. Uh, but this book, The Devil in D.C., Winning Back the Country from the Beast in Washington, very, very good book. She's also, Cheryl uh, Chumley is also the author of Police State USA, How Orwell's Nightmare is Becoming Our Reality. Now, interestingly, uh, Representative Louis Gohmert, uh, who I think the world of, wrote her forward in that. So she is definitely an inspiring voice in the wilderness, Cheryl Chumley. It's really uh, good, to, good to have her here. I think it's going to be fun. I uh, told her when she can come on, I told her that uh, just, just have fun. Don't, you know. This, we're not going to rush. Not going to rush. We're just going to get it done and make it happen. Make it happen well. So I wanted to touch base really quickly about a couple of things before she comes on. She'll be our first guest. I wanted to talk about this because I think it's important. Um, how many of you listened to the show where I talked to uh, Janie Madler? Her name is Janie Madler. Riley uh, is her daughter. And, um, Cannabis essentially saved, not essentially, cannabis saved her daughter's life. And I talked about that in one of these shows. You really, I think it's an 88-minute show. I really encourage you. I, I cannot more um, strenuously encourage you to listen to that if you didn't hear it. The reason I say that is because, uh, obviously, I came out as the Reverend Dr. Shawn Michael Greener came out as not only a cannabis supporter, but also a, a medical marijuana cardholder. You guys know my history, if you've listened for any length of time, if you've read my book, if you've, you know, come and heard me speak anywhere in the country, you know that, um, that I was in a heck of a crash, 92 miles per hour versus uh, 51 miles per hour. I went from 51 to zero. And um, it's, it, 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 it Seven feet. I want you to think about how far seven feet is and how fast from 51 to zero. Uh, it's that's super fast. I mean, many of you, if you're riding in a car right now, uh, you know, I think that's about the front of your car, maybe even not that far. You know, maybe not. Maybe not. Who knows, you know, it's, uh, well, I'm looking around and see cars in the parking lot. Yeah, that, that'd be, that'd be faster. That'd be shorter distance than the front of your car, to be very honest with you. So that happened to me and there was massive damage. 
uh, I died actually for a few minutes and, um, for whatever reason, the Lord chose to have me live. I, I don't know. A lot of people ask me, you know, Hey, Dr. Sean, did you have a, an NDE, which is a near death experience? And, and I didn't, uh, I wish I could say I did. Uh, I really do. I really wish I, 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 I didn't though. I just didn't. And, uh, if I did, I don't remember it. You know, it's, uh, I wish I could, wish I could, that'd be kind of cool, but I guess, you know, I don't guess the Lord knows better. Um, he knows better than to give me an experience like that because you know what I would, that's all I would talk about. I'd never talk about anything different. I mean, you guys know me, uh, but you know, here I am. Well, Juana, after probably, I don't know how many pills. I don't know how many other things. It's just crazy. Um, and none of it worked. I mean, the pain stuff didn't work. The stuff was awful. The, uh, I won't say the name. I, I, I talked a Facebook Live about this too. I'm not going to say the name of the drugs. And I'll tell you why, because I really don't want to get sued. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not in a situation to fix my computer, or replace my computer. I'm certainly not in a, in a situation where I can afford to get sued by some pharmaceutical company with nothing but money and BM number money. So, um, you know, we, we try to do everything we could as naturally as we could, because one, I lost my health insurance. Thank you, Barack Hussein Obama. And, uh, my insurer, how I lost it was my insurer left the state sure still at this point in in our state and your state's probably very much like it so that happened and and uh someone suggested uh i guess about two and a half three years ago they said you know have you ever thought of medical marijuana and i poo-pooed it you know i you know i'm a reverend doctor you know i got a master's in doctorate in theology and i'm working on a doctorate in ministry and you know i preach and speak and i and all these different things so you wouldn't think that i would advocate it. And I did initially, I was really kind of, I kind of just pushed it away. Well, guess what? <laughs> that became the only option. Um, terribly high blood pressure, terrible, terrible pain, couldn't sleep, all these different things. Heck, you know, I don't need to whine to you. You've probably heard it before, but the fact of the matter is, is this is that, um, for me, I found, um, that, at some point or another, at some point or another, it's just, you got to, as much as I don't like, I don't like to take pain. I, maybe you guys are very similar. I don't know. Maybe you are. Um, but I don't like to take pain. Uh, it's just not for me. It's not, not something that I like. Nobody does. I don't know about you, but I don't. You know, they... I hear about all these people addicted to the opiates, and, and I don't get it. It never did anything for me. It certainly didn't help me. I'm chewing gum, by the way. Mouth is super dry, in case you're wondering. I'm not going to give away a truck or a car if you guessed what I was doing just now. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to do that. So here we are at this place, uh, but I wanted to address something really quick before our guest comes on. That you know, I said when I did the show that I would lose a lot of listeners. I would lose a lot of people uh, 
on the you know conservative Christian side, uh, I would lose followers. You know, on social media, I would lose any number of of, of people who originally supported, not supported financially because we don't really get anything for that, but supported what I do by listening and reading what I write and and coming to hear me speak. And that that came to fruition in a big way. Now you might ask, do I regret it? No, I do not. And I'll tell you why I don't. I don't regret it because the truth is the truth. And, uh, you know, uh, have you ever ever been, by the way, uh, real quick before our guest comes on. And also, I really want you to listen to Sunday's message uh, the seven, I think it's, what is it? Seven stages of lying that I do seven levels of lying, seven levels of lying I did on Sunday and people are telling me that's uh, one of their favorites. And, and, uh, it's just one hour, very quick, no commercials. Um, and it's, it, it'll, the time will pass much faster than you can possibly imagine. All that said to say this, listen to that because, uh, it's one of those things, uh, by the way, thank you, Alaska. Alaska said you rock doc. I appreciate that. I do appreciate all of your notes and your emails and your texts and uh, all that stuff. And uh, it, that means a lot to me. And we were able to mail out another Bible this week. We send a really good Bible, $60 Bible, costs us $60 a piece, uh, nice leather bound, complete Jewish Bible, somebody that didn't have a Bible. So uh, that's what we try to do with it. Uh, but now our biggest need is technical. We need to replace outdated equipment. Anyway, all that said to say this, um, Everybody's got their stuff. I talked about this yesterday. Everybody's overwhelmed, especially if you're conservative right now. You're overwhelmed. We know that the the rage is a fake rage, for the most part, among uh, among the left. It's just a fake rage, and you and I both know that. There's no there's there's nothing to what they're saying. Nothing to. Nothing at all. It's it's and and you know the ones that don't know. The ones that have no idea, uh, they, they don't realize they're pawns by the people who are in, in charge or in control. They have no idea. Well, they're not ever going to know. Do you know what I'm saying? They're not ever going to know. There is nothing that you're ever going to tell them, um, the leftists, I'm saying, you're not ever going to tell them anything. Well, let me put it to you this way. Have you ever been in on a prank? You're in on a prank and nobody else uh, in the room is in on it except for maybe one or two other people. But the person certainly that's getting pranked, they're not in on it. But then there's, you know, uh, and there's a lot of people that they don't they don't know. They're just there. They're just there. Well, here's a problem. A lot of the people on the left, they, they just don't, they fall for the media. Now, the media we know is controlled. We're going to talk more about that with our great guest. Uh, Cheryl is, is on, let's see here. Can you hear me, Cheryl? I can, yeah. This is Sean. Awesome. This is Sean. This is Sean all day, all day long. I can't change who I am. This is who I got to be now and forever, so... Welcome to uh, to the Collision of Faith and Politics. This is Cheryl Chumley. You guys know, as I said earlier, she wrote, uh, this is her newest book, The Devil in D.C., Winning Back the Country from the Beast in Washington. 
And Mike Huckabee wrote the forward for that. She also wrote Police State USA, which I think is phenomenal. I'm just started reading that, How Orwell's Nightmare is Becoming Our Reality. And that's forward, uh, forward was written by Louis Gohmert. So it's a pleasure to have you. I know we only have you for a short period of time, so I won't spend a lot of time going over your resume because basically that would take up the whole show because you get a lot done. That is the bottom line. One thing we do need to address, you are a United States Army veteran. I'm also a Navy veteran. We have many, many veterans listening. So thank you for your service. We are uh, forever indebted to you. Well, thank you for yours as well. And it's a, it's a great pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Now, I notice you're from the uh, by your accent. No, just kidding. You're from Massachusetts. How in the world, how did that happen? You're from Massachusetts and you're a cabin. I was born in Massachusetts, and then I moved down south and uh, in Georgia. And I, I really consider Georgia my kind of home of heart right now. Uh, wow. Yeah, I, I can't. you can't help where you're born, but it is a liberal land up there, that's for sure. No doubt. My daughter, <clears throat> excuse me, my daughter is actually studying at the University of Georgia Veterinary Medicine School uh, in Athens. So I like Georgia, too. We have friends all over, and it's an awesome place to go. It's an awesome place to be from, for sure. Beautiful state, it really is. The beaches, the people are so friendly, everything. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. We love going there too. So tell me this. Um, we've got a situation, and, and I know, uh, why well, I, I shouldn't assume, I watched uh, President Trump's speech last night. I watched the speech the night before, and I listened, of course, uh, to his two statements on Charlottesville, and I found, quite honestly, no fault in any of them. I liked everything that he said, but I'll tell you the truth, Cheryl, I don't know that I like at all what the press had to say. And I'll even caveat that. I'm not positive I like what Fox News had to say for the most part. So tell me what you think of what's going on right now in the press and, and maybe what you think is the cause of it. Well, I, I've just been vicious against the press this past week. I've written, I think, every day on Charlottesville and how the press and the left has lost its mind. Uh, you're absolutely right. Even on Fox News, there has been some curious statements, uh, angering statements, if you're, if you're a Trump supporter, that just seem purposely skewing the facts. And as to the reasons why, this is this is the wedge that the left is going to use now to crumble America from within uh, with the ultimate goal, of course, as we all know, to impeach Trump. But on that journey, why not take down America's historical symbols, uh, cause chaos and mayhem, and then pretty much uproot our constitutional system in, in in the wake of it, because once you once you admit into society that our founding fathers are racist, then the next logical logical step is to start looking at the founding documents that they themselves wrote. And if they're racist, then the documents must be racist. So the the next question is, what are we going to replace these racist documents with? This is how the left is working right now. Mm. So uh, in my book, I wrote a book as well called Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. And in that book, I talk about how essentially the, uh, the education, the state education system, as, as well as many of the most vaunted educational institutions in the world, have been co-opted, completely and totally taken over 
by the left, uh, leftist, ultra leftist professors, ultra leftist administrators and leaders, uh, and then and then an indoctrination of uh, leftist ideology it, it, at the at the deepest level. I mean, you know, you look at the studies that uh, they've been done over and over. Uh, a kid, a freshman, goes into college, and it's a huge percentage. I think it's like 81% identify with being a person of faith. And then by the end of that year, that number has dwindled to 31%, 31%. And, and ultimately that's, that's because it's been knocked out of them because the, the bastion of free speech isn't. And if you look at what happened on Berkeley uh, at Berkeley, Berkeley's campus and many other campuses, when a conservative comes to speak, and I, I wonder even about you, about your safety sometimes when you, if you were to go onto a college campus and people there find out who you are, I mean, you've, you've, you've been in the Robert Novak Journalism Fellowship Program and um, they're part of the fund on American studies, but that's a big deal. That's a really, really big deal. And so you're known, I mean, you, you're all over television. So what happens? You, you go to speak at a university. What happens if there are protests? What happens if, uh, the, the students say, hey, we don't want her here. Well, that, that's really going to be put to the test in October and not even on our university in, in, in uh, Canada where it, it's just gone all, all out left. I'm due to mm -hmm. speak there at the Christian Heritage um, Party. And there I'm finding as I go about the research for my speech having to question, oh, can I say this? Because you see headlines every day coming out of Canada that it's pro-Islam, anti-Christian, and so forth. They've got open borders guy up there now. So it's true. It's not just in America, as you rightly point out, on our college campuses where the left has taken control. It's seeping out you know, in, in, in places overseas, not just in Canada, but if you look in Europe now, what's going on. So there is this concerted battle between right and left, and free speech as we know it in America is being squeezed. Uh, one from Alaska has asked, do you think, obviously we all agree with, with your assessment thus far, do you believe there's any chance, any chance for turnaround? Oh, definitely. Uh, I, I'm a person of faith, and actually the second book I wrote, My Devil in D.C., is all solutions. It's solutions that the, the Christian, the faithful, the patriotic, limited government-type American can use on a pragmatic basis how to turn back this country and put it back under God's control. You know, people say that all the time, oh, our country needs to be put back under God's control, under God's guidance, and so forth. But what does that really mean? And in Devil in D.C., each chapter is at least one solution, several solutions in some chapters, about how we, as patriotic Americans, can actually wrest control from this leftist, progressive, atheist takeover that we're experiencing and actually start to turn the tide back. It's not an overnight endeavor. We didn't get here overnight, so it's going to take you know, a long climb back. But if you go down fighting, that's honorable. Hmm. I agree with you. Uh, the Bible says we're to work until he comes. So we, we don't have, and I talk about this all the time when I travel around the country and speak, I will say to people, listen, I know that you are disappointed. I know that you feel beat down. 
I know that you do, and, and it makes sense that you do. It's a normal reaction. I mean, anybody, anybody would feel that way. But uh, at some point or another, we have to understand we're licking our wounds and whining about this isn't fair, that isn't fair. The left is gaining ground, and they're not going to stop. And the difference between what we do and what they do, when, when they experience a defeat, much like Islam, yes, I am comparing the left. Um, the, when Islam, they'll, they'll ask for a ceasefire, but they're asking for a ceasefire, not for humanitarian issues, not to consider surrender, but so that they can reload, heal up from their wounds. And the left does essentially the same thing, but the left does it by claiming, they go on the all-out offensive claiming that they're being attacked, uh, they're the perpetually aggrieved, and so therefore they, um, it's their feeling that uh, they'll, they're the victim, and all they need to do is scream racist or bigot or white supremacist or whatever, uh, never mind how many, uh, you know, it's, it's a fast-growing group, black conservatives, really fast-growing group. Let me share with you real quick, and I want to get your opinion on this. Harvard University Shorenstein Center on Media Politics and Public Policy, they do, they kind of monitor uh, the tone of coverage among the major networks and news organizations. CNN, 93% negative. Now this is, I'm going to see if you can guess of what coverage this is that I'm doing. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, NBC, 93% negative. CBS, 91% negative. New York Times, 87% negative. Washington Post, 83% negative. Wall Street Journal, 70% negative. And Fox News Channel, 52% negative. What are they measuring? I would say the Trump administration. White House. Exactly. You win the non-existent prize. So, so, so here we are. We've got, we've laid up, and I'm going to get, I'm going to get a hard copy. I, you know, I've been told if I, I have like, Thousands of books, literally thousands of books. And I've been told, hey, listen, you need to start getting ebooks. So I'm going to have to do that if yours is available on Kindle. Is your book uh, available on Kindle, Devil in D.C., Winning Back the Country? It is. You can, you can get that awesome. on Amazon by Kindle. Awesome. I'll be all over it. And everybody listening, listen, if you're, a, if you're an e-reader, get that book. If you're not, order the book. Get it. Don't wait thinking you're going to, well, but if you're driving, don't, don't do it while you're driving. I don't want either Cheryl or I to be blamed for your car crash. So here we have all this negative uh, media coverage, which leads me to my next question. If, I don't want to say if, that's too soft. Because we know the origin of the air quotes journalism that we're seeing from all these CNN, NBC, you know, MSM, all these different places. Because we know, that you look at the numbers, it's, it's uh, the lowest number is 52%, and that's Fox News Channel. But the rest of them are up near 90% negative. And, and, and so because we know we're not going to get fair coverage from, because they're not journalists anymore. They, they don't follow the truth. They create the, the agenda uh, and the the image of truth that they push, but they there's no no way by no stretch are they reporting any. It's not journalism anymore. So given that fact, we look at those numbers and we say, and Cheryl Chumley is in charge of the world for a day or five or ten. Cheryl Chumley does what about those numbers? What what's the next step? Well, if if 
you're a political watcher and you want to know what's going on, you would be very remiss if you got all your news from one source. Even if it's Fox News, even if it's a, a news outlet that you trust, you need to look at, say, three to five different news sources on any given story. Just at least comb the headlines. It's so easy nowadays with online everything. Just go online, mm-hmm. type in a subject, and see what headlines come up. And, it, you know, the reason you should do that is not only to be fully informed on what all the various press is reporting, left and right, but also you should know thy enemy. If you have a decided viewpoint on a certain matter or topic, you ought to go research what the other side is saying as well. So you can see how they're working. You can see how the deceptions are forming. You can read the talking points before they make the news. And then even if you already know that, perhaps your kids don't, perhaps your family members don't, somebody that you discuss things with at work. You know, this is these are all tools to educate yourself, which is something that, of course, founding fathers based the greatness of this country upon that our citizens would be well educated and well informed so it's your duty as a citizen to do this not just a responsibility not just a choice okay so that leads me thank you for that very concise answer i love it um so that leaves me with a question i'm asked whenever i travel across the country and speak i i I will i'll just tell you this is the number one question i get no matter what i'm talking about you know, I will preach at churches, I'll speak on Islam, uh, you know, any number of things, political stuff, whatever. No matter what the reason I'm, I'm in that location speaking, no matter why they've invited me, it might even be an excellent seminar at a corporation or something. <laughs> the number one question during Q&A that I always get is, where can I get my news? If you know, I'm so sick of turning on CNN or, or MSNBC or NBC, you know, any of these. I'm so sick of it. And really and truly, people are getting sick of a lot of the ones that we really could depend on. Now, I know that you, a lot of your work comes from these sources. So I don't want to get you in any trouble. I, I never want to put you in that position. But if you're my audience listening, about 1.5 million people listen on average a week. If you're my audience and you're advising them, what is the truth? Where is where where do you go for the truth? I, I want to know two things. If you can answer them. If you can't, just say I can't answer that. I'm trying to feed my family and my dogs. Um, two things: the best two places to go, and the worst two places to go. If you can answer that. Well, um, to be honest, I am partial to the Washington Times, but there's a reason I'm partial to it. Not just because I work there, but they do an excellent job of covering all sides of an issue, and it's mm-hmm. not simple from the conservative viewpoint. So I like the Washington Times. Um, I also, I, I do like Fox News. I I like the Drudge Report to get a gist uh, of the headlines that are brewing for the day. Um, I mm-hmm. like NBCNews.com for breaking news. So you Believe it or not, you can't beat NBC for breaking news. And mm-hmm. I go to alternative sites. I go to, like, PamelaGeller.com. Um, she does great reporting, Jihad Watch. Uh, they both do great reporting on matters, uh, you know, dealing with Muslims and Islam. And the worst sites, well, CNN is definitely up there for a worst site. Uh, it, I would say the Washington Post is pretty pretty biased as well. But here's the thing. <clears throat> what you really need to do is get your worldview 
intact in yourself. You need to read the Bible, you need to read the Constitution. That way, no matter what news source you go to, it's filtered through the proper prism. It's filtered mm-hmm. through the prism that this country was based upon. So you can look at news and you can discern already what's truthful versus skewed. And then it won't matter mm-hmm. so much about where you get your news. Mm-hmm. I love that answer. I, I um, am involved in an organization called the Center for Self-Governance. Um, they they are awesome. Uh, I'm good friends with the founders, and I've a level five student. Um, I've completed level five. I still have to finish my program requirements. But uh, the Center for Self Governance kind of does that. I mean, it's a it's a it's a connecting of our origin, what everything really means, and uh, connecting to your faith too. They don't push faith, but I, th- I think it's a, a real powerful thing. Let me say this about that: is I agree. 150% if that's even mathematically possible. I have doctorates in other things other than math, so who knows if it is or it isn't. Now, I've got people messaging me saying, look, I'm on overload. Uh, too much for me. I avoid it as much as I can. I get my news from conversations or shows like this. Um, I would suggest that folks go to your website. Now, tell the folks what your uh, website is, if you don't mind. My website is CherylChumley.com, and I just I try and post there daily, though I've been <laughs> falling a little short of that lately because I've been busy. But I do try and keep up with the ongoing um, events of the day. And I also put my media appearances and so forth, and there's info on my books, all that stuff. Plus, uh, you're all over social media, so I think that's a uh, I think I think that's a great thing. Let me, if I might, I, I don't know how much time you have, but I'm I'm going to use every second that I can. Um, you're if if you're sitting there, you're queen of the world, and you're sitting there and you're saying, okay, the top three problems we need to work on in America. Now, I I could say the world, but I'm really, you know, uh, my deepest concern really right now, and and God help the people in Spain, God help the people in Europe. Um, You know, I've been there many, many times, been all over it, uh, used up a bunch of passports. I, I, I like the place, but they've lost it. And it's not my job to save them. But the founders said, you know, it's a republic, uh, if you can keep it. And so for me, I'm going to focus on here. So the top three problems facing America right now, what would you say they are? If you're the queen, Uh, we don't have a queen, but if you were. I would say first and foremost, always, that we have lost our moral compass, meaning that we have taken uh, God from his perch and put government up. Our greatest asset is that our rights come from God, not government. We are turning from that. So that is the core principle of our of our greatness, and we need to recapture that, uh, which is the whole reason why I wrote Devil in D.C. Um, the second problem, without a doubt, borders. If you don't control borders, you don't. The country's overrun, and you're going to have people. Who- oh, hold on, hold on! Don't be a hate speaker. Don't be a hate speaker. We're supposed to show. We're supposed to let everybody in. Let's not ask. Have you seen the video in in Spain? Uh, j- before the attack of this boat, it's people are there in their swimsuits, if, you know, if you want to call them that. They're there in their swimsuits on holiday. They're hanging out at the beach. Nobody batted an eye that a- comes up to the to the uh, up on the beach, and all these people start running in black suits 
black outfits start running into the land of Spain. So, yeah, I did see that. Well, uh, you know, point, borders. It, <laughs> you need to have solid borders, or you don't have a country. It, it's simple as that, and you're. It, it, it's so fast. If you have open borders, it, the tipping point for your country will just be overrun with people who do not know what our country is about. They come in and the government provide. So, yep. you know, you'll just lose your whole country practically overnight if you don't control borders. And the third issue, the, the public school systems, you know, from, from K through 12, and then you can lead into the college campuses. But the next generation, if we're not training the next generation in the way they should go properly, teaching mm-hmm. the, the historical greatness of our country, morals and virtues and so forth, like founding fathers intended education to be, then the next generation will lose everything that we have gained so those are my top three. Oh, those were excellent can i ask you really quick what do you think of president trump president donald j trump the 45th president of the united states of america what's your feeling thus far well i voted for him though in the primary he wasn't my first candidate my, my nor mine uh, my biggest praise for him is that he consistently, consistently uh, make America great again, America first. America is the priority, and that is such a, that, that's, that's such great news to my ears after eight years of Obama apologizing and after, you know, lukewarm Republicans in the White House in past generations, in past years. So here we have a president who is standing strong to every adversity that's thrown his way. He's not delicate about it. He's not diplomatic. He's probably not even what most Christians want to hear insofar as Mm -hmm. the president being, you know, gentlemanly and so forth. But he's the only candidate out of all that field of Republicans we had during the primary who would not cave and who would not cave now to the rhinos and establishment on Capitol Hill who are trying to unseat him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent assessment. Uh, you know, and and I know this is crazy. I mean, everybody knows I was a big Ted Cruz fan uh, in the primaries. But once once the primaries are over, listen, conservatives, and I'm sure you get tired of this, conservatives, one of our – look, on the left, here's what they do. They unite behind whoever is their candidate. They do. You have a few stragglers. They don't get much of a voice. But they unite behind them when they are, uh, you know, once it once it's broken down to the to the last man or woman standing on the left, they support them pretty overwhelmingly. But on the right, we we all fight each other. We're our own worst enemies. We've got it's a circular firing squad all the time. We're so time, and it, and it's my it's it is my belief. I I would have loved to have seen Ted Cruz, but now as time has gone on. I look at it and I say, wow, you know, God, you really got this one super right. Not that you ever make a mistake because you're infallible. But the point is, I look at what President Trump is up against. And as much as I admire not only Ted Cruz, but several of the other uh, folks in the race during the primary, I have to say, the guy is tough. And he calls, like you said, he calls them out. And I love that. So I was telling my family the other day, I said, you know, the more I listen this guy and the more i watch fight against fight the good fight really completely i've never seen anybody more up against than donald j trump as a as a president i don't know that i ever have i i think 
think that's exactly right. And, you know, think of anyone else who was running at the time. Do you think Mm -hmm. Marco Rubio wouldn't have reached out across the aisle or worked with the establishment McConnell on Capitol Hill by now? Of course he Mm -hmm. would. Any other candidate, and there were some good ones, and they were, you know, a lot of them are good men. And, you know, even Carly Fiorina had had a Mm -hmm. decent primary run, and she made sense in a lot of her... um, in a lot of her speeches. But there wasn't one candidate who would have been able to withstand what Trump is right now. And he just consistently insists on the average American citizen first. And I'm not saying he doesn't have a little selfish, uh, you know, reason for that. Perhaps he's looking ahead to his own business dealings. But, you know, what's good for him is also good for America, at at least in, in what he's putting forth so far. I 50%, maybe even 152%. I agree with all that. Hey, listen, but I think we've exhausted what you had allocated to us. Yeah. Um, so I don't want I don't want to bogart all your time. I really appreciate it. Um, I will say this, folks. You need to read what this lady writes, and I'll tell you why. There are few who have the access that she has and, and has, the, you know, the appearances and all these things that she has that don't waver in what they say, no matter what show. And I've seen you on lots of different shows. Some I, ha- I have a particular um, disdain for the host and others I like the host. And I've met all of them personally. Um, but you never waver, just like President Trump, that, that really, you never waver based on the audience. You never, it's never a uh, situational ethics, I don't think ever enter into your mind. And you get in there and you fight the good fight because I don't know if people really realize what it's like when you're on a panel. If you're if you're on a panel or Lord forbid you're you're on a remote with a, a IFP in your ear and you know you've got three other people and somebody in the sound room is controlling when really and truly you don't you know people just don't understand how kind of crazy. All that said to say this that usually it is skewed against you. You're usually the voice of reason coming in and saying, hey, uh, let's consider this. Have you ever thought about this as potentially true? Because I don't know, it's pretty easy to document. And then you very calmly, but with a really good attitude, uh, but very strongly represent what's truth and right. And like I said, you're, you're a voice in the wilderness. I'm very happy that you joined us today. Uh, we'll share this link far and wide, but I want to respect your time. Thank you so much for joining us. Cheryl Chumley, folks, go buy her books. I'm telling you, The Devil in D.C., Winning Back the Country from the Beast in Washington. you got to get that book today, whether you get it electronically or you get it in print. Um, you've got to get that book. And where are you appearing next? Do you have any appearances we can talk about really, really fast? I do have a Fox News appearance set for Friday at 2 with Sandra Smith. Um, that is if there is no breaking news that boots me, which does happen yeah. quite frequently. So. Happens all the time. I have, I've had it happen to me. My biggest interview uh, during my book tour, my biggest interview was interrupted by a major terrorism event, and I just it never ended up happening. So I know how, I know, <laughs> I know how that can go. So listen, God bless you. Thank you so much. Uh, give our best to your family and your, your, uh, your dogs there, and, and we're pulling for you in the good fight. Let us know if we can help you in any way. You too. So, folks, there you have it. That's um, that's a great voice there, and you can follow her also on social media. Cheryl Chum, 
Trumley, CherylTrumley.com. Really neat person, a, a good person, and a person who's in it to win it. We're very fortunate to have had her on today. Let me, um, let me address something really, really quickly. Uh, some folks have messaged me. Let me see. Let me pull up the message. Uh, okay. We have someone from Lander Lakes, Florida. And Lander Lakes, Florida, they're asking me, okay, she said, you know, get your news from, from multiple places and then call that. Uh, call that down to what you believe. And um, it, this person is, is struggling with that. And in that struggle, um, they're saying, look, you know, I, I'm, I'm struggling already emotionally dealing with all this negativity. And, and I get it. I get it. I was just saying one of my buddies, uh, in chat saying the same thing. It just wears you down, man. You, it just wears you down. And, and eventually you can, you can get depressed. You can get run down in the fight. You get battle fatigue. And, and, and so this person is asking me, just sent me a, a message and says, Hey, you know, I get it, but I can't watch multiple ones. I can't, some people are even saying that, that they can't watch Fox anymore. And, and I'll just come in after that. I've, I've met all these people personally. I've spent a considerable amount of time with them. Some of them I'm friends with and some of them I'm not. I just know them. Um, but, but Shepard Smith, I've got to tell you, that guy, there is no, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, you know, and, and, and he's a super rich guy. He's the second, well, I think he's the highest paid now. Once Bill Riley left Fox News, he was number two for many years. In uh, general salary and benefits, he, he was the uh, second highest paid. Shepard Smith has the most expensive, I don't even know if you guys know this, it's just an uh, interesting tidbit. Shepard Smith has the most expensive set, custom designed by his specification, ever in the history of air quotes news. That guy hates Donald Trump. I'm telling you, he has been into the notion that Donald Trump is anti-gay, that he's racist, that he's a bigot. None of it is true, frankly. Um, I happen to know somebody that's been on Donald Trump for coming into 16 or 17 years every day at a forearm's length. And I can tell you, he said he's the least bigoted guy I've ever seen in my life. He's the least race. He, he, is a, he, he promotes women. And, and if they do well, uh, he pays them well. He pays everybody evenly. And so he said all this stuff about President Trump is just a lie. Um, now, some of that I'm going to say to you is victimology. Some of it is, uh, you know, victimology 101. I'm going to present myself to be a victim. I'm going to say I'm a victim. I'm going to tell you that you are my oppressor, and I'm going to scream it loud. It's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's just the bottom line. It's, it's, it's just true. It's, it's true information, you know, um, that there are people out there that they are going to try to, they're the, I call them the perpetually aggrieved. They are going to s scream it. And some of those groups are Black Lives Matter. Now, do I think, now I know some people in the Black Lives Matter movement, and do I think that they are uh, bad people? No, I don't. I think they're horribly misled, horribly and poorly uh, informed. But do I think they're bad people? No. But are there bad people? Are there many, many terrorists in that organization? You better believe they are. You better believe they are. And so as far as that goes, I, I really believe more than anything else, I really believe that we've got to nullify those people and the power that they have. Now, how do you do that? Uh, and I'll get back to Shepard Smith in a minute. Yeah, he is. Uh, Shepard Smith just wears me out. But how do you nullify those people, those perpetually aggrieved victims? 
who they are using that. Now, you know people in your personal life that are like that. They're not happy with anything. There's nothing at all uh, that ever makes them happy. And I, and I wrote this little thing. Uh, it's been shared many, many times. True story. Always seek to remember, Grasshopper. Success is getting what you want, but happiness is wanting what you get. Now, here's some free-earned advice from Dr. Sean. Uh, and this is hard-earned for me. I had to learn this the hard way. Some people, look, it isn't that they don't have enough this or that. It's that they'll never be happy with anything, no matter what or who or how it is. I, I'm just going to say to you, if, if there are people in your life who are just never happy, they're just never satisfied, never happy, never satisfied with anything, with anyone, get them out of your life. Do it today. Do it now. Because they'll never, look, I'll, I'll tell you this. It is an ambition. There are many people that will say, well, I'm just very ambitious. I'm never satisfied because I'm very ambitious. No, it's not ambition that they have. The hard truth is it's perpetual. They will never trust God. They will never trust you. And you should never trust them. They'll never be happy. And they will always blame someone else. And if that someone else is you and you're the closest in their life, they'll blame you. They will blame you. It's a bottom line. If they're never happy, they'll lie. They will betray your trust every single time. You can trust them because you can't. They'll never bring, bring you heartache. They'll always be unfaithful in every way to you and everyone else who loves them. You'll not make them happy. You'll not heal them. They'll never be happy, and they'll see to it. You'll never be happy either. You can't trust somebody who's not happy with anything. You can't trust these people who are running around complaining about everything, including these statues. For eight years, folks, we didn't have a bunch of complaints about these statues, and yet you had a half-black president. Eight years. No problem. You know what? This is the truth. Uh, my friend up in upstate New York, if they found a cure for AIDS tomorrow, they would blame them for collusion with Big Pharma and withholding the cure for years. You are absolutely right. Let me take a drink. Ah, that's good water right there. That's fine H2O. High quality. <coughs> Look, I, I'm just going to say this. If you've got to nullify these people out there who are whining and complaining all the time. You know, I'm, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not a white supremacist. I'm not a Nazi. I'm not a fascist. It's funny, Antifa. Antifa. What's interesting to me is Antifa actually, this is what they actually do. They say they're anti-fascist, but they are fascist. And I'm going to tell you something else. You see those pictures of them with the nails sticking out of the end of the two-by-fours? What they have those for is to stab horses, police horses, to back them up. I'm telling you right now, I'll lose it. They've already done it. They did it in Charlotte. They've done it in other places. They, you know, this is what they do. They are anarchists. They are not fighting for you or for me. Let me say this about that. President Trump, I believe in a second statement, he was smart to do this. He called out both sides, called out the, the, um, the white supremacists and all that and the Nazi bunch. And he called out the people on the other side saying, hey, you can't commit crimes because you feel sad because you're perpetually aggrieved because you're perpetually ingracious for the gifts you've been given in this life. Look, you can't trust somebody. I'm telling you, don't trust anybody who's never happy with anything. 
I'll tell you why. You look at their lives here in America, you talk to them, and this is what I found to be true. Usually, the perpetually unhappy and always aggrieved actually have a much better life than most people do. You look at their life. Maybe it's not the job of their lifetime. Maybe they don't love their job. Maybe they don't love their job. Who actually loves their job? Now, I, I love many of the things that I do, and I've had jobs. I've had businesses over the years. And, uh, and I have to say, there are jobs that I've done that paid the bills better than others that I didn't like at all. They were hard. They were nasty. They were dangerous. 80 to 100 hour work weeks in order to get it done, in order to make it happen. That's what you had to do. Didn't like it. Not every day. I've had other jobs when I was a police officer. I can honestly say I didn't love being a police officer. I didn't love it. Was I honored to be a police officer? Absolutely. I was hired by uh, the two uh, I consider to be two of the best organizations in the country, Delaware State Police and the Newcastle County Police. I finished up with Delaware, or, uh, with Newcastle County Police, and I was honored to be there. I worked with some of the greatest people, some of the greatest men and women I think I, I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. And, I, and the only exception I would give is, is my military time. I served alongside of some of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. What an honor it was to be shoulder to shoulder with them. But I'm saying this to you. I didn't like that job every day. There were some days where that job as a police officer really drew air. I mean, it drew air in a big way. Uh, nobody, nobody at all, nobody at all seem to appreciate what you do when you're a police officer. I'm telling you, uh, even, even to the extent of, of saving somebody who have a buddy, saved a woman from a burning car. He's on I-95, he's going to his sector, he was a sector supervisor, he's on his way there, car's on fire, people are standing around looking at it. He runs up there, breaks the window with his baton, and drag, reaches into a burning car and drags this woman to safety. Well, guess what? Wasn't long and he got sued, and the department got sued because somehow or another, she received some sort of injury that the lawyer, the perpetually aggrieved and looking to profit from it, lawyer said, hey, you wouldn't have gotten that if he'd have left you alone. She'd also have been uh, fried crispy. So you pick. You pick which one you want. I say choose life, but everybody's trying to get rich. Everybody's trying to get that payday. And I don't mean the candy bar. Look, man, you look, you look around and you see the people that are out there right now that are, uh, let's, look, I'm going to make it even easier for you. Let's not even say the people in the United States. Let's break it down to your life. Because, you know, you, we, look, if we can't manage our lives, if we can't figure it out, right, in, in our own lives, you, you look at a, a CEO or a leader, and if he doesn't have, this is one of the things I like about President Trump. Look, you can say what you want about multiple divorces and all that stuff. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you right now, his, I know this firsthand, his family adores him. You say, well, of course they do. He's the guy writing the checks. No. They adore him because they have great, great respect for uh, Melania Trump, the first lady, has great respect for her husband. Uh, Barron and all the other kids have a great respect for their father. The in-laws have a great respect for their father. And let me tell you, they don't agree on everything. So you look at those kids None of those kids abuse any drugs or alcohol. None of those kids. I mean, they are unbelievably dedicated to their father. And it's, they're not being forced into that. 
This is not something they're being forced into. They, they love the guy. You can see how much they admire him. I'm going to say all that to say this. Let's not even look at the macro level. Let's look at the micro level. Look at your life. I am telling you, as sure as I am uh, not that easy to look at, although a lot less of me. I, you know, when I started doing this show, I was 257 pounds. That's right. Almost 6'4 and 257 pounds. Now I am today 235 pounds on my way to 225. I think that's probably where I'll stop. So, you know, I, I'm telling you, this is from me. Look at your life and, 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 and this, this, you've even got to look at yourself, fairness. Like my, my message on, uh, on Sunday, and I'm going to come to that for you today, and, and hopefully you'll, you'll be interested. I don't get paid, by the way. Every time, I don't get paid. So it's, I don't get a dime. I pay for everything. I pay for the website, for the marketing, for the, for the computer, for the airtime, all that stuff. It's just how it is. I'm, I'm just going to tell you this. Look at your own life. Look at your own self. On Sunday, I said to do this, and I meant it. I had to do it with, you know, I to, myself. I had to look at myself hardcore in the mirror. And I had to say to myself, okay, is any of this you? And I had to deal with it. But look at yourself. Look at your family. Look at your group of friends. Look at who you're around, and are they perpetually aggrieved? You remember the saying is, always seek to remember, grasshopper. Success is getting what you want, but happiness is wanting what you get. Look, the president won overwhelmingly. President Donald J. Trump, it, you, can, you can look at the skewed numbers that they're always thrown around. It's not reality. What they, what they put in front of your face, not reality, my friends. It's not reality. It is not real. They're telling you it was a barely win situation, and I'm telling you it was far from it. It was far from it. A lot of America, including many, I'm going to say this, I have some dear friends in social media, I have some dear friends personally, a great respect for, I mean a great respect for, and they're very, very much not President Donald Trumpers. In fact, they work to his detriment. Time talking bad about Donald J. Trump and trying to convince me that some guy, listen, if he's the wrong guy for the job, God would have never. I believe he allowed Barack Hussein Obama to have the job or show us actually facing. But I'm telling you, if it wasn't for such a time as this, the man would never. Never be. Donald J. Trump, never White House. Never would be. And yet they still fight against him. They spend all of their time fighting against him. And you Christians, how can you fellow Christians call yourself a Christian and a terrible guy? I'm a terrible guy. The worst in me, you'd see that I'm a terrible guy. I am no better. No better. That's just a fact. We can't run around and pretend that it's not true because it is absolutely true. And if each of us look at ourselves and say, well, compared. I, I, I don't know how he does what he does. I know I have friends on his detail, Secret Service detail, and they tell me this man works harder. 
he he works harder than a 25 year old let alone for a 70 year old man he's up early and he's at it late and he treats all of his detail with utmost respect he knows all of he knows their wives names their kids names he is extremely serving him as opposed to the last administration somebody just asked me uh, here let me read this message somebody just asked me uh, I want to donate but I want to buy something instead of just sending money that's fine if you just want to send money you're the, I just want to give money I don't want to, I don't need anything whatever uh, and you we use PayPal uh, we're a big fan of the security of PayPal, so that's why we go to theninjapastor.com and go to the donate the donate page. I've seen to it super safe. You go to the ninjapastor.com, go to donate, whatever. It's awesome. Literally, it all goes right back into what we're doing. If I don't start picking this up, my family can't cover it. I'm just telling you. I'm. It's just the reality. So people are saying, I, I want to buy something. Well, if you go to HTTPS. Now, I don't know if you have to put all www. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know how any of that. Works. You guys know it's better than me. Um, but HTTP means it's a secure site. Colon backslash backslash s h a w n m dash green g r e e n e pixels p i x e l s dot com. You are going to. You will find. Um, a professional photography website. And what I do, let me just test it on. I like doing tests. John M. Greener dot pixels. Oh. Let me see if it works. Yep, it works. If you do www, it works. So I, that's, that's pretty cool. I like that. That's easy. Who can't remember that? So if you do that, you will uh, go and you'll see uh, any number of photographs. Now, I'm adding photographs all the time. I have literally thousands of photographs, but they say don't add so many at one time or overwhelm people. We opened up this website in uh, August 5th, in the late afternoon or evening August 5th, and we already have over 5,000 visitors. But what we need is buyers. Now, here's what happens. I have contracted with Fine Art America. They do the framing they do the um, matting, they print, they have the best printing stuff ever. Um, you can choose the level that you want. If you want fancy, you can get as fancy as there is. Archive quality paper, um, the best frames, they're custom made, the best matting, all of that, all of that. Or you can do a budget one that's, that's you know, lower, the lower level, save you some money. Now, I don't want you to think I'm getting rich off of this. Because I only I make a very small amount per painting. That's because they are per uh, a photograph per piece. It's because they do everything. The the company Fine Art America they do everything. You name it, they do it. So they have to get their cut, and I'm you know I understand that. I'm a business minded person, so I get that. So we get a very small part, and we're taxed on it. It's taxable as income. But if you don't want to do the donate thing, and you say, yeah, I want to fill my house with you know Ninja Pastor photos. I'd love that personally. I would absolutely love that. Coffee cups with my images on them. You can get uh, beach towels. You can get tote bags, computer bags, uh, phone cases, the whole deal. So it's www.backslash.com. Uh, backslash, uh, 
Sean M. I don't think you have to do all that backslashing. Sean M. Dash greener dot pixels dot com. Anyway, and I'd appreciate it if you do it. It'd be awesome if you do it. Now, um, I want to go. So, so that hopefully that answers your question. That's something you can do. You can do it if you want to do it. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to. Nobody's forcing you. But I'd sure love it if you did. Bottom line, uh, it would certainly make it easier uh, for me. Now, I want to talk really quickly. We're not going to do a full two hours today. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm drinking a lot. I'm losing my voice for some reason. Tried to chew in the gum, nothing. I'm not positive why it's doing it, but it might be allergies, whatever. But I think within too long, I'm not going to have a voice. Uh, and part of that is from the crash. You know, I used to sing, used to sing the national anthem. I would sing it uh, a cappella for sporting events, things like that. I used to love to sing. But now I start coughing. If I p- push my voice too much, I start coughing. So, Anyway, not for nothing. Uh, but uh, I, I read this piece and I checked this. I, I called up to uh, the Civil War Institute at American University in Washington, D.C. I called and I said, is this guy, is this real? Um, Dr. Edward C. Smith wrote this in 1999. So it was pretty old and it was copyrighted in 99. The Washington Post published it. So I, I wanted to make sure. When, and, and I was able to indeed confirm that it is, it is real. Let me begin on a personal note. I am a 56-year-old, third-generation African-American Washingtonian who is a graduate of the D.C. public schools and who happens also to be a great admirer of Robert E. Lee's. Today, Lee, who surrendered his troops to General Ulysses S. Grant at Appomattox Courthouse 134 years ago, is under attack by people, black and white, who have incorrectly characterized him as a traitorous, slave-holding racist. He was in Richmond by those opposing to having his portrait displayed prominently in New Park. Now, let me, let's, let's go back. This is 18 years ago. This is August 21st, 18 years ago, 1999, it's 2017. So, so we had some whining back then. I don't know if you want to look up who the president was then. I don't know if it matters, but whatever. My first visit to Lee's new home, now Arlington National Cemetery. I don't know how many know that. to his home countless times to visit some friends and some sons and daughters of some friends and some fathers and some mothers of some friends uh, that uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice in battle. Arlington National Cemetery. Everybody needs to go there at least once in their lifetime and, and spend the day walking among graves. So now Arlington Cemetery came when I was 12 years old, and it had a profound and lasting effect on me. Since then, I have visited the cemetery hundreds of times, searching for grave sites and conducting study tours for the Smithsonian Institution and various other groups interested in learning more about Lee and his family, as well as many others buried in Arlington. Lee's life story is in some ways the story of early America. He was born in 1807 to a loving mother whom he adored. His relationship with his father, Henry Light Horse Harry Lee, who was George Washington's chief of staff during the Revolutionary War, was strained at best. Thus, he matured in years, Lee adopted Washington, who had died in 1799 as a father figure, and patterned his life after him. Two of Lee's ancestors signed the Declaration of Independence, and his wife, Mary Custis, was George Washington's foster great-granddaughter. Get the connection there. Lee was a top-of-the-class graduate of West Point, a Mexican War hero and superintendent of West Point. I can think of no family for which the Union meant as much as it did for his. But 
It is important all the 13 colonies that became the 13 states reserved for themselves a tremendous amount of political autonomy. In pre-Civil War America, most citizens went to their state and the local community in which they lived. Referring to the United States of America in the singular is purely post-Civil War phenomenon. All this should help explain why Lee declined command of the Union forces by Abraham Lincoln. After the firing on Fort Sumter, after much agonizing, he resigned his commission in the Union Army and became a Confederate commander fighting in defense of Virginia, which at the time, at the outbreak of the war, possessed the largest population of free blacks, more than 60,000, any southern state. Lee never owned a single slave because he felt that slavery was morally reprehensible. He even opposed secession. His slaveholding was confined to the period when he managed the estate of his late father-in-law, who had willed eventual freedom for all of his slaves. Regarding the, the Constitution, or the institution, it's useful to remember that slavery was not abolished in the nation's capital until April of 1862, when the country was in the second year of the war. The final draft of the Emancipation Proclamation was not written until September 1862 to take effect the following January 1st, and it was intended to apply only to those slave states that had left the Union. Lincoln's pre preeminent ally, Frederick Douglass, who, by the way, I'm a huge fan. Frederick Douglass Republicans, that's one of the best organizations ever. We've had Kay Call on here many, many times. Awesome. Frederick Douglass was deeply disturbed by these limitations, but determined that it was necessary to suppress his disappointment and take what we can get now, and the rest came after the war. Martin Luther King Jr. was one of the few civil rights leaders who clearly understood that the era of the 1960s was a distant echo of the 1860s, and thus he read deeply into Civil War literature. He came to admire and respect Lee, and to this day, no member of his family, former associate or fellow activist that I know of, has protested the fact that in Virginia, Dr. King's birthday, a federal holiday, is officially celebrated as Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson, Martin Luther King Day. Lee is memorialized with a statue in the U.S. Capitol and in stained glass in the Washington Cathedral. It is indeed ironic that he has long embraced, been embraced by the city that he fought against and yet has now encountered some degree of rejection in the city he fought for. In any event, his most fitting memorial is in Lexington, Virginia, a living institution where he spent his final five years. There, the much-esteemed general metamorphosed into a teacher, becoming the president of small debt-ridden Washington College, which now stands as the well-endowed Washington and Lee University. It was in Lexington that he made a most poignant remark a few months before his death. Before and during the war between the states, I was a Virginian. He said, after the war, I became an American. I have been teaching college students for 30 years. This is what Dr. Smith said. I have been teaching college students for 30 years and learned early in my career that twin maladies of ignorance and misinformation are not incurable diseases. The antidote for them is simply to make a lifelong commitment to reading widely and deeply. I recommend it for anyone who would make judgment on figures from the past, including Robert E. I'm going to say this. And you can take this for what it is. When you start burning and toppling 
and spitting on and defecating on and spray painting memorials from a period of time that you didn't live during. And, and folks, maybe the case may well be that you don't understand. You don't understand quite well. At, really at all. You don't understand what that monument represents. Look, you can pick one thing about any person in life. I'm serious right now. You can pick anything you want. Pick one thing. And that will be enough to, to disbar us, if you will, from serving in the nation's highest courts. You could pick one thing. And you know there are a lot of cases where folks don't know the worst about another person or that person wouldn't. Look, I know the worst about certain people. And I have forgiven them. I also know the worst about some people, and I have not forgiven them. Because they're not truthful. They're not, they've, they've not come to me with the actual, still are clinging to lies. And I say, stay away until you're ready to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So I hope you, God, I don't have any use or time for you. But the fact of the matter of it is, we can look at truth in our own lives, and we can say, okay, so the hue and cry is, is, is that Robert E. Lee was a slave-holding racist, okay? So were a lot of people back then. Guess, guess what the largest number was? Well, the largest number were blacks. Free blacks owned a lot of slaves. From other places owned more slaves. Slavery is only in existence in one place in the world right now. Many places in Africa and in Islam. I should say two places. It's the, only, it's the only place. Slavery is practiced freely and openly in Islam, and nobody on the left seems to have a problem with it. That's a big deal. Slavery. Look, I'm, I'm not pro-slavery. I'm anti-slavery. Anytime someone is held beyond their will, the grasp of the exchange of, of money for your time and your efforts, your successful kebab, then, then no, I'm absolutely as anti-slavery as one can possibly get. But I'm going to tell you this. That needn't define what we believe and what we know. We absolutely cannot. We cannot, folks. We cannot define some of these men who their, their statues and their monuments are being torn down and defaced. We cannot define them by that one part. Because you know what? Uh, why is it we, we have to look at Islam and say, well, we can't judge Islam uh, on what these few people are doing. Yet we look at gun owners all the same, painted with a broad brush. Why is that? It's unfair. It's unrighteous. It's unjust. And it won't stand. It will only not stand if we do not allow it, if we stand up to it. Let me say this about that. I'm going to tell you something really quick. If you didn't listen to Sunday's message, seven levels of lion, no G on the end. Look, we could all do with a dose of uh, a two-by-four in the face on the topic of lying. Look, if people follow us around every day, all day, guess what? They're going to find reasons to hate us. 
I'll speak for myself. You're going to find a find ten reasons. You follow me long enough and look at me honest enough, and you strip away my vulnerability and my and my cloak, and you'll see. All of us hurts, habits, and hangups. All of us got a lot of stuff on the inside that other people, if they saw it on the outside, they'd never see. They'd never they'd never see anything good about us ever again. They'd say, nope, not that guy, not that girl. No, not going to do it. I'm looking at the community of faith, and I'm saying to myself, there's a lot going on here. There's more lying in the community of faith than ever before, and it has to stop because the world's falling apart. It's stitched together. Our world is stitched together with a web of lies. That's just a fact. And I'll tell you this, all of us, we're going to look at just the thing of lying. All of us are susceptible to lying. All of us are. You, look, it's easier sometimes, we think, to, to tell a lie. Take refuge in the escape route of lying. And then, you know, nobody catches us on it, so we, we just let that go. We don't even realize how far we've drifted. The anchor's been pulled up out of the mud, and we're drifting in the currents. And we find it easier. Look, I know people. I know you know people. They will tell a lie or bend the truth. And any part of the truth that even a teaspoon of a lie, it's turned from truth with a little bit of lie to a lie. It's all a lie. Leaders do it. Politicians do it. Defense attorneys do it. People lie on the stand. They lie in their job. They lie in their life. They lie to their spouse. They lie to their loved wife. They lie to their husbands. They lie to their children. You say, but Dr. Sean, aren't there exceptions? You know, we hear about that all the time. We hear about, you can't run around, you're going to look crazy. If you tell the bold truth about this, you're going to look crazy. You're going to offend people needlessly, and you know what? Nothing will be accomplished. Nobody wins. Well, that's just simply not true. You know, this is why some people will say, hey, man, I, I mean, it could be, hey, woman, I don't, I'm not, you know, whatever you want to say. I don't want to hurt her or him by divulging this truth, so I'll lie to protect them. Now, the, what they're protecting them from, they think, is their behavior, the thing that they did. You're protecting them from what you did. You're not protecting them from some outside source. You created the peril by your action. And yet you have the temerity to say you're lying to protect them. Other people will say, hey, man, I don't want the drama. Right. I'm not going to step up and say that's not true. Or I'm going to say earlier to you that's not true fully and completely. I need to tell you the whole truth, not the God. And they say, hey, they won't know, so it's actually better for them. They're not going to find more than one person, in my experience, expressed to me a concern that if we all talk, we just be, we'd be rude. People would think we're weird or crazy. Hey, I get to you because I didn't want this other person to think I was crazy. Do you value, whose opinion do you value the most? But I think about that show, Liar, Liar, you know, uh, Jim Carrey. I don't watch any of his stuff because of his head liberal. But Liar, Liar, this is what happens. If somebody has no answer on anything they say about others, they just tell the truth. I'm going to say this. The truth hurts, but for a while, a lie forever. I really mean lie hurt. Listen, there's nothing benign about a little white lie. And you know what it speaks to? It speaks to us being, we are too lazy 
to speak the truth in love, to find a way to speak the truth in love. Look, I, this is what I found, and I don't know about you. I don't know. I found that it is far better and far less painful to tell the whole truth in the first place than to have to revisit a lie that we told. However loving we deluded ourselves to think lying was rather than telling the truth in the first place. Listen. You've, you've got to, you've absolutely got to tell the truth. Like I said, the truth hurts, but for a while, a lie hurts forever. If somebody comes to me and they tell me this, this is, this is just me. Welcome, Jerry. Good to have you. I don't understand BTR uh, blog talk radio either. It's, it's just a, a platform that's just driving me crazy. I spend a lot of money on it, and it just doesn't work the way it's supposed to very, very often. And I notice I never get a survey request. Hey, let us know how we're doing. Never do. I am glad they're here. That's for sure. And, you know, um, I, uh, somebody, I'll uh, digress just a little bit, been struggling with the thought of us erecting the statues in the first place of some of these people. But I have to say this, um, this about that. Listen, you know, I've been to Berkenau, Dachau, and Auschwitz. I've stood on the rails where the train comes up and stops, and there's there. He points left or right. One direction, you live, you die. It's each person who gets chosen based on his initial assessment, his quick assessment as to your value and how hard they can work and what they can get out of you. Keep you alive as long as you're contributing. I've stood there. It broke me. It broke my soul. I'm telling you right now, it was the most powerful. And, and I went there because I was going to write a PhD dissertation on the Holocaust and how it happened in the first place and then uh, how we can keep it from ever happening again or, or, or would it happen again? Is it possible? And I'm here to tell you it absolutely is happening right in front of our eyes and we're doing nothing. Islam is killing Christians and Yazidis and, and uh, people of other faiths. They're killing them left and right. And listen, LGBTQ, whatever, uh, they're killing you too. And once they get inserted here, pardon the pun, they're going to kill you in great numbers. Meanwhile, you're waving those stupid signs talking about, uh, saw one, one woman, uh, I spread my legs for Muslims. Unbelievable to me. Absolutely insane. So back to this. Listen, I would rather, there's a big difference between blurting out rude and intentionally hurtful thoughts and being truthful. Everybody makes a mistake. Listen, folks, everybody makes a mistake. I've made mistakes. I make mistakes. And I don't know if you know this, but, but you know, uh, this is something. You, you tell something a certain way or you, um, maybe you cover up something you did. You didn't want to hurt this other person. You don't come to them and go, ha, ha, I guess what I did. I just figured I'd tell you. No. You'd be tactful. You'd be gentle. You'd be gentle. And you say, listen, I, I said something to you or I, I, I denied something. You said, you know, are you this or that? And I said, no, and you're a jerk forever saying that. But the truth is, is I, I did do this. I am doing this. And I'm sorry. And I'm sorry I lied to you. And I'm sorry I deceived you. Look, I, I wonder if we're so defensive about everyday white lies because we're too lazy. We're just too lazy. We're too lazy to find a way, to face it through, to say, look, 
I did this. I, this is a chink in my armor. This is a problem with my character. Maybe it's mental illness. You know, one of the biggest uh, determinants of mental illness is habitual lying. I don't know if you knew that. I think probably most of us are defensive about lying because we're defensive about ourselves. We don't face the contrast between God's character and ours. That's just a fact. There's lots of different levels of lying, and I'm telling you, it's a, it's, it's a hard thing. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buzzsaw through these really quick. First one is, and this, this is the first one, you lie. You tell a lie, a single lie. That's level one. A single lie can become a match that lights the bonfire. Unless the way you extinguish that potential bonfire is you confess the truth about the lie. And if you don't, you're going to be on your way to level two. And level two is this. You self-protect the lie. You say, oh, oh, man. And what that is is you lie about having lied. Did you just lie to me just now? No. Did you do this or that? No. You self-protect the lie. If you lie about one thing, it's likely you're going to lie about another. And Budzeshevsky uh, puts this, I love his writing, lies are weaklings. They need bodyguards. Then level three, we quickly go into level three. You develop a habit of lying. It's a habit. It's a hurt habit or hang up. Some people lie. I'll tell you why they lie, because they hate who they are. If you spent your whole life lying, it's hard to stop. Amen. You develop a habit of lying. Look, you, you are leaning into the wind, and the only thing holding you up, you think, are your lies. And listen, at this level, they just might be out of habit. You might lie this in this number level three habit of lying. You might lie, and it's about something stupid and trivial, and you get no benefit from it. You get no benefit from the lie, whether they believe you or not. Some people lie about things they have no need or benefit in lying about. They just lie, even though the truth really isn't that bad. That's based on level three, habit of lying. You've developed a habit of lying. Then level four, you self-deceive. Now you believe all the lies you're telling others. You, you know what? Some people can lie so effectively that they begin to believe the lie they tell themselves. We self-deceive. Friends, when a person lies and they believe their own lies and they are comforted in their own lies, that person is very, very dangerous to be around. They are extremely dangerous to be around. I mean this with all my heart. Just because we are deceived, honestly and truly, by the wiles of our own crookedness, that doesn't mean that we are innocent or exempt from the need to repent. Listen. Jesus, Yeshua himself, said from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Now, his prayer, Yeshua's prayer, suggests that sins committed unknowingly are still sins in need of forgiveness. Lying is sinful even when we lie subconsciously. If we're in this level of level four and we self-deceive, we are still absolutely responsible because self-deception is a vice. It is self-imposed. It is a vice that is self-imposed. And you know what? Some people shield other people by not calling them out when they're lying. They know this person lies. Now, I, you, you know people like this. person lies, you know they're lying. You know they have a habit of lying. But you like them. They're a likable person. They look normal. Maybe they're pretty or handsome or whatever. They're articulate, very intelligent. But you know that they lie. You know you can't trust them, but you never call them out. Because why? Because that's a confrontation. It's a confrontation, and nobody wants to 
confront the truth. And so that liar, that person that's in level four, they're full on self-deceiving because they say, no one ever called me on it. No one ever called me on it. Listen, at level four, this is the bottom line. A person enters into denial. He or she stops looking at their own self. And and this is really what it is. It's a self-miscalibrated internal moral compass. And therefore, they don't feel guilty anymore. And I'm telling you this. When a person is at this level, level four, self-deceiving, I'm telling you, when they're here, only God can help them. Call them out every time. Every time they try to lie to you, and because they want you to think well of them, they don't want you to think poorly of them, they're going to lie to you again. I'm telling you, only God can help them. Call them out on it, but only God can help them. Don't, don't stay around with a person who looks you in the eye and says, your heart is Your children are safe with me. Your future is safe with me. Get away as fast as you can from a person like this. They will not change. Even as, look, even as I'm speaking, I'm seeing people all around the world who are listening right now, you know somebody like this. And you know what? Maybe you are a person like this. Consider this. That story about the grasshopper. You look around and you want to have a cue on somebody that habitually lies. Always seek to remember grasshopper. Success is getting what you want, but happiness is wanting what you get. Listen, you know people like this. They're never happy. And you have to question their truthfulness. That is a common trait. Here's level five. You rationalize. Now you not only believe the lies are not lies, you don't believe they're lies at all. You justify those lies that you've told, probably because of another lie and another lie and another lie, and you keep the whole thing going. You know what I'm going to tell you about people who are habitual liars? They're always nervous. Look at their thumbs. They've been sawing at their thumbs with their fingernails, uh, scraping and scraping and scraping until the skin's dry and coming off and bleeding. Maybe they picked at their nails until they're bleeding. A person is under tremendous anxiety, self imposed anxiety because they're thinking to themselves, what if I don't remember the story? What if I get caught? That's reality, my friends. But these people, these people at this level, level five, they are absolutely, they are absolutely rationalizing everything because they believe their own lies. Not only do they not believe their lies, they justify them. They say, hey, this is for the better. Uh, a company leader says in commerce says, hey, man, I got to lie because I got to save jobs. I got to help the company grow. Personal life. The lying, you're, you're for all eternity, mate. They lie to you because they don't want you to know that they're seeing other people. They're swearing to God on the eyes of your children that they're not, but they are, but they are. And you know what? When you confront them on it, they'll blow up at you. I've counseled people like this. They're dangerous. They will blow up at you, and they will call you every name under the sun. They'll say, how can you even think that? But as you know, your mate knows, and everybody else really knows, if they're honest with themselves, they're not trustworthy. And I'm telling you, the person at level can't be trusted as a friend, as a mate, as an employee, as an employer, or as a parent. If a person lies habitually but doesn't see themselves as a liar, they're more dangerous than they look. They may look like a delicate flower, but the petals are cover for the thorns. Level five lying, I'm telling you, 
it, it's something that at the leadership level really becomes an issue. The higher up you go in an organization, the harder it is to tell the truth. And you know what? We, we rationalize. We say this. Level five lab. This is where they happen. They happen in the personal realm. You don't, you just, this is what they say. The serial adulteress says this. You just don't understand. My love husband and I, we never had a real marriage. I had a 24-year marriage of cohabitation and child rearing, but nothing like what I have with my new lover. He and I are experiencing real love for the very first time. This is an adultery. It's real for all eternity love. We lie to ourselves first and then the people who love us. And I'm telling you, it's the path to destruction. Everybody's destruction. Level six, boy, this is dangerous. I'm almost finished. Hang in there. You develop your technique, man. You start work. You say, man, I'm all about excellence. I'm ambitious. I want to look, I'm excellent at other things. I want to be excellent at lying. So what do they do? They compartmentalize. A level six liar develops their technique. You start isolating statements. You start ignoring what was said in other contexts. Level six liars, I'm telling you, they're often found as politicians and upper echelons a bureaucracy. They'll swear to God on the eyes of their child that they're telling the truth. Here's level seven. You've waited for it. You've been patient. Here it is. You see it as your duty to lie. I'm telling you, level seven is one of the scariest things because level seven liars flip duty on its head. They make lying mandatory. They say, I have to. In a dysfunctional family that operates at level seven, grown Children, grown brothers and sisters, they might kowtow to a parent for the sake of keeping the dark family secrets hidden. In an organizational situation, level seven executives, they'll, they'll try to cut the legs off of people telling the truth by saying, beware of the self-anointed whistleblowers. They're critical and self-righteous. They'll mix in a little bit of truth in every lie. Level seven liars stone the prophets. That's in John 16, too. Because people are created in the image of God, we can't simply lie without trying to seem truthful in some way. They'll be strategic in their communication. If you know somebody like this, you know it. You know it. You know it. They'll add a little bit of truth. But just like leaven in the bread, it spoils the whole thing. Level five liars, they take pains to rationalize their thinking. Level seven liars assume the pseudo-upright posture of being dutiful. That's a fact, my friends. And I'm telling you, when we lie within the community of faith, we unravel everything that we stand for. We, have, we unravel everything. When you, when you can't trust one another, it, look, and, and a strategy would be, you say, hey, if somebody confronts me with something, I don't want to say anything. You know, I don't want to confront them. I just don't want to say anything. Then don't say anything. But when it all blows up and somebody says, man, how did this liar get among us? And it turns out you knew, Bob or Rick or Sharon. You knew. You knew they were lying. Why didn't you say something? Well, I didn't say anything because I was afraid of the backlash. I was afraid of confrontation. And in churches, when we lie, we breach our connection to other people and we violate our relationship with God. And I'm telling you, you've got to have communion with God. If you let yourself lie one time, I'm telling you, whatever the deluded reason you have, whatever you've made up to make yourself feel better 
about Lyme. Whatever justification or rationalization you've come up with, you're going to lie the rest of your life unless you get the truth and you get real with God and the people you lie to. Get help. I'm telling you this as sure as I'm sitting here. There may be no one in your life but one person who knows what a liar you are. And you're going to run from that person because you don't want anybody else to find out. I'm going to ask you something. Have you ever been lied to? Then told the liar, look, you're lying to me. And the liar says to you, no, no, no. I, I, and they only give you part of the truth. They only lay out some of it. They'll only confess to some of it. A little bit of truth, a little bit of lie. The lie started at level one. Then they had to lie about the lie. Then they had to protect the lie. Then they do all these other things. And then here we are. They're confronted with the reality. And they say to you, I'm telling you the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me God. And you say, man, I don't know if I can trust you again. I don't know if I can trust you again. And they say, you can. You can absolutely trust me again. I'm, I'm trustworthy. I will never do this to you again. Here's what I'll do. If this situation comes up again, I'm going to bring it to your attention before it becomes a situation. And we'll deal with the truth. Truth hurts initially. Lies. The pain never goes away. I'm going to tell you this too. Don't look for the liar in your life to be a devil with horns. Because the devil doesn't have horns and neither does this person. They may be beautiful. They may be handsome. They may be articulate. But they're dangerous. They're dangerous. Look, we can't lie to ourselves. As long as we don't lie to ourselves, we can stay out of level four. But in order to stay out of level three and level two, we need people to confess to. We need people to keep us accountable to. I have people like that in my life. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for people like that. Look, when you lie at level one, you've got to nip it in the bud. People who love each other, they got to try to do whatever they can, whatever they can to tell the truth, or I'm telling you, the love that they have for that other person will surrender to hate and hurt forever. And there's nothing worse than that. I'm going to finish up with this. I, my, our friend, Chris Ann Hall, she's been on the show. She's been with me on live uh, appearances and uh, I think the world of her. She's like a sister. She's tough as nails. She wrote this in social media. I'm getting messages from all over, from people all over America. People are feeling discouraged, overwhelmed, and out of control over the attacks upon history. Please allow me to humbly provide a word of encouragement for those who want to be part of the solution. Saturate yourself in truth and then speak that truth with passion and love. Dark things of this world may have their day, but truth and love are eternal. Do not try to change the world. That is impossible. However, simply do what you can to influence those around you. And you may discover in the end, you have changed the world in the process simply by influencing the minds of a few. Cultures change one mind at a time. This is not a battle for monuments. This is a war between truth and lies. It is about using history to make ourselves wiser, not destroying history because we are ignorant. This is not about today. It is about a greater tomorrow. When all else fails, stand and defend truth. It is all our posterity can ask of us, although they deserve so much more.
more. My friends, it's the same thing Cheryl Chumley, our great guest from earlier. It's the same thing she said. When I asked her, you know what, how do you deal with this, this press being the way that it is? And how do you deal with all these lies? And she said, saturate yourself with the truth, capital T and small t. Saturate yourself with the truth. Problem is, most of us don't know what the truth is nowadays. Most of us don't know. We don't know anymore. Remember that person. I want you to remember that person that lies and lies and lies and lies. You better know the truth. Saturate yourself. Saturate yourself with the truth. And then you'll know. Listen, I want to I want to share with you really quickly how this applies. I want you to understand this. I want you to understand this and live based on this principle because it is a principle you cannot deny. The United States Secret Service, the Department of Treasury, their their, their biggest function has to deal with currency, counterfeit currency. And I'm going to tell you the number one way that new agents learn to detect a fake bill of currency in the United States dollar, in the U.S. dollar, is by feeling millions and millions of dollars of real money. Saturate yourself in the truth. Completely cover yourself in the truth. Know what the truth is. Know the truth with passion and love. And you'll know the liar. You'll know the cheater. You'll know the person who will break your heart and break your spirit every single time. And then you will be able to avoid it. Folks, I don't know how to thank you for your faithfulness and listening today. Thank you for joining uh, me to hear my guest. Uh, she is awesome, Cheryl Chumley. Follow her on social media, CherylChumley.com. She's going to be on, I mean, she's on television all the time. And we're so pleased that she would join us. I think it was time well spent. Folks, time well spent whenever you're on the other end of this microphone. Thank you so much for joining us. I will say this. Remember what we said about the, uh, the picture, the uh, buying my photography. All that money that goes from that goes right back in this ministry. If you want to make a straight-up donation, you don't want anything for it, feel free to go to the donate page on theninjapastor.com. Completely secure. We appreciate anything and everything. It makes a difference, and it enables us to stay in the fight and what we're doing now. God bless you and keep you. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor and follow dr sean on twitter at the ninja pastor and on facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash god in country radio and at www.drseangreener.com in the meantime dr sean will be fighting for you and for this great country Thank you for joining in this fight.